Welcome to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Starista's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Jason Harris, CEO at Mechanism. He talks about the agency's collaborative approach to success and the soul and science of storytelling. Jason and Vincent also discover they live in the same neighborhood. AJ does not. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Vincent Petrofessa here, so you know what time it is. It is time for another episode of The Marketing Stir, brought to you by Starista. You know Starista, identity marketing company, data. We help you get new customers. Omnichannel just launched a new DSP. Exciting things going on here at Starista. With me as always, ladies and gentlemen, my captain, Mr. AJ Gupta, the CEO of Starista. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. So far, going great. Uh, getting a lot of inbound queries about our new DSP. So it's always good to launch a new product and have immediate interest. I love it. I love it. We can't officially sell it until August. Um, but by that, the time this comes out, we will hopefully already have customers as we're already doing some beta. Awesome, awesome news. Other amazing news. I'm excited about this next guest, which I just discovered is my neighbor. I'm not even joking about that. We both live in a neighborhood uh, in New York City called Tribeca. I am at number 93 of the street. I should say, I'll say it. Should I say it? Worth Street, right? Does that matter? Am I going to yeah, have stalkers? You I don't know. You can say right, it. Am I, I'm not, uh, maybe, if, it's great if I have stalkers. That means I'm doing something well. Uh, you know, 95 Worth Street. Jason is at 93. Who knew? We probably walked by each other 50 times in the neighborhood. I'm talking about the CEO and founder of Mechanism and also our first author on the marketing stir. We're going to get into that. I'm really excited to hear about that. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Harris. Hello, hello. Good to be here. Love having you, Jason. Thanks for having me. I bet we walked by that same uh, hole in the ground that they've been working on for about six months, right on Broadway and Worth. Oh, you, you want to know something about that? And I talked about this, I think, on the podcast. Uh, you know, what happened? You know, if you ever notice at night, Right when it's about the night, there's like 30 rats there. Oh there's like God. rats. And I'm like, why am I paying this rent? So what happened was a few of them started running in front of me, Jason. And I thought I was in the clear. But one ran right into my foot, squealed and ran away. No. Yeah. I'm deathly afraid of it. And my son, who's three years old, three-year-olds repeat. And he will tell everybody this story now. We'll be walking into Dwayne Reed. And he's like, my dad saw a rat. Ah, screamed. I'm like. Hudson, you need to stop telling me. Yeah, you need to say, stop saying that I scream. Those yeah. rats, too, right there are so huge. I've seen so many of them. Oh. And, man, they are bold. They are bold in New York now because the restaurants – well, now the restaurants are starting to get trash. But when restaurants were closed, they, they didn't have much to eat. So they were bold. They were coming out during the day. Yeah. You know, they were like – yeah, it was it was crazy town. <laughs> Looking for food. That's it. Uh, you know, I could already see the headline of this podcast, you know, foot 
uh, or, you know, rat runs over foot, big rats. Oh man. Yeah. Big but rats. big rats, right? Big rats. What a, what a great way to talk about us. Right. Uh, but Jason, tell me, you know, I've been, you know, following mechanism, you know, the, your, your agency that you had started, uh, tell the listeners about, uh, you know, the agency, why you started it, um, and who some of your clients are. Sure. Yeah. So I started the agency with a couple um, of my friends. So there was kind of four of us that started it uh, about 15 years ago. We started it in California, in San Francisco. And I had worked um, ever since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to be in advertising and I knew I wanted to start a company. And I just um, worked at different agencies, really learning the ropes ever since I got out of school. And uh, I kind of collected what I liked about different cultures and different um, ways that those agencies operated, knowing that I was going to start my own. And I hooked up with some friends and we started one and, you know, we started Mechanism and it's, it's been a long road to get to this point. We started in California and now we have an office in uh, San Francisco, New York. I'm here in Soho right now um seattle and chicago and we have about 30 clients some of our clients are ben and jerry's peloton okay cupid alaska airlines jose cuervo charles schwab so we we've got a bunch of different clients a lot of a lot of well-known clients and a lot of clients that are sort of uh, challenger up-and-coming clients but uh yeah it's going it's going well it's been it's been quite a ride it's been real real roller coaster that's uh that's awesome yeah and i remember just seeing that roster of clients and i'm like oh wow you know very impressive household names but like you said others that you know you're working with helping them build out um talk to the viewers about jason like you know what areas of expertise or specialties your your agency focuses on i mean we really kind of are full we're an independent creative agency which means we're we're owned by four owners we're not owned by a big holding company um, we have uh, about 200 employees or so, and we really do everything from uh, big strategy, what the brand's going to stand for, and building out the brand and building the creative uh, to production, creating you know content assets, TV assets, social media assets, and then we also have a media group where we can do media planning and buying. So it's really comprehensive and full service. But I'd say we're mainly known for uh, you know, a client will come to us to sort of reinvent their brand or if they're trying to launch a brand like we worked with Peloton before, you know, they were a household name, for example, and we'll really build what what their brand's going to stand for and then how to launch it and then partner with them for, you know, a number of years to to get the brand either off the ground or a brand like Jose Cuervo. We're trying to reinvent that brand for a younger audience, for example. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, uh, the big brand heavy lifting work is really what we tend to gravitate towards. And Jason talk now 200 employees. Uh, that's impressive. You know, you and, and, you know, three others starting this, what were the lean, uh, years like those, those beginning years? The lean years were pretty brutal. We had about, I mean, it was just the four of us. We had maybe one or two employees and we would, um, uh, you know, when, when we started, uh, the company, we really, obviously we didn't make any money, but I think when you, when you start a company and when you're starting something at the beginning, I have a philosophy of 
you know, you're really building up proof points and you're building up case studies. And so we did a lot of work for uh, no money. So we would do free work for clients in order to get that client roster on our sort of website or to build a case study out with them. So we did a bunch of projects with like Microsoft. We did some projects with, with Nike, et cetera. So we, we'd kind of go to really blue chip big brands and pitch them a proactive idea and say, look, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and make it for you. And if you like it, you can run it and pay for us. If you don't like it, you know, you can trash it. And that was really, you know, it was like the hunger games, you know, you're just trying anything to really try to build out that portfolio and roster because you don't have any, um, you know, you don't have any clients yet. And so I firmly believe when you're starting out in any business really to give things away in order to get, and what you get is you get that, you know, that, 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 that uh, brand that you want to be associated with and you give them something which is, Hey, we're going to, we're going to, we have this idea, we'll work with you on it and then we'll, we'll pull it off. And, you know, that, that was the way we started at least that's my philosophy. And, you know, no one, no one had kids back then or weren't married. So we had a lot less at stake when we started. Uh, but that's really kind of our mentality was just to, you know, make it happen. Cool. I, by the way, I, I, after hearing you guys talk, I was hoping I lived in Tribeca too. We could have all really bonded well. Oh, wow. You wanted to see the rats. Yeah, <laughs> you were supposed to be here this uh, in New York City this summer, AJ. But that is actually true. Yeah, pre pre COVID, that was the plan. So, so Jason, uh, one of the questions I had for you was: uh, you recently got the Jose Cuervo account. Would love to know what the story was and how you landed that account. Um, you know, there wasn't. You know, when whenever in advertising, right? Whenever you pitch. Uh, to win an account, you're pitching against anywhere from two other to seven other agencies. And you all get the same brief and you all get the same assignment and you're pitching relatively the ideas in the same sort of time frame. And one approach that we do as an agency, we have a bit of a process that's super collaborative. And so instead of just like getting the brief, going away, and coming back with the answer, we'll do a lot of in-person check-ins. And this was when we won that account at the beginning, right at the beginning of the year of 2020, there are still in-person check-ins. Now that's gone and we're pitching virtually, which is a whole different story. Don't get me started on it. It's really hard. Uh, but, you know, the way we would do it is we would act as if they're already our client and we would be pitching them ideas as if we were already working together. So we would do a lot of tissue sessions, a lot of loose ideation with them, getting their input, changing the idea, coming back with more ideas. Um, and for us, really, we're, we are you know, looking at the idea of Jose Cuervo as like the, the fastest way to friendships. Because when you think about tequila and you think about this brand, you know, that's one thing that it does. It kind of lubricates that idea of becoming friends fast. And that was sort of our, our strategic uh, take on it. Um, but I think that helped us one well, win the pitch rather, but I think also our style and the way we start, we pitch in a manner of just assuming that these clients are working with us versus, 
there's some mystical way that we work and we have to go away to our, you know, guru and shaman and then come back and present this, you know, here's the answer. Uh, that's not the way we work. So I think our, you know, the way we work in a collaborative cultural way, I think was, was the one that helped us uh, win that one, for example. Gotcha. And, and for people not familiar with sort of the uh, preparation required for these types of pitches, uh, what's what goes into just uh, trying to get get a client? How much time is spent, and what's usually kind of the success ratio? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, pre-COVID, we were about a forty percent hit rate. So for every uh, you know ten clients we pitch, we'd win we win four. That's a pretty good ratio. I think any anything above a third in this business is good because you're pitching all the time. You know, you're really pitching to, to grow your business all the time. So we would win about four out of 10 pitches. Um, and that, that's a pretty good ratio. I think maybe the standards three, um, three out of 10 and that's our ratio. And so, um, now we're pitching everything, uh, virtually, which is very different because culture is so important in, in landing and winning um, an account and how you're going to work together. And you can't really taste or feel that chemistry, uh, virtually. It's just not the same. And so it's, we're, we're trying to figure out new ways for us to, to pitch and have an impact, um, you know, while we're all on, on the screen. Yeah, it certainly changed the uh, world quite a bit, and I can imagine it's uh, for us. Uh, we Vincent and I usually go to a lot of trade shows, a lot of dinners, so it's a whole different world. And that was one of the reasons we started this podcast was uh, we had a lot of time that we spent at conferences open now. So, yeah, that's crazy. Um, same with me. I used to I used to travel uh, basically every week, and I would do a lot of uh, dinners and meeting clients and lunches. And I mean, to me, that's sort of, you know, the, 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 a bit of the, uh, impact and how you build relationships is by getting to know someone and opening up and finding out what they really feel outside of work. And that's been, that's been a real struggle, you know, and I think it's smart to find new ways in like this podcast where you can reach another audience and not just uh, wait for it to be over, which hopefully it'll be over at some point. Yeah, yeah. I think the worst thing uh, any of us can do is uh, not make, uh, not pivot and make utilization of this time. Um, and so, Jason, do you remember who your first big client was that really put you on the map? Uh, we did a project uh, for Microsoft. That was our first sort of big and it was the launch of um, Windows Vista. I don't know if you remember that. Um, I think uh, it was yeah, 2006. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, yeah, we did, a, we did a big content series with comedian Dimitri Martin. And we had, yeah, we, he was awesome. And we had pitched them this idea of clarity because that's, that was sort of the promise of the operating system that it would make everything a little more focused and easier to operate. And so we really leaned into that and we did it in a branded entertainment way and, and the work really worked and it, it kind of went viral. And back then there was so 
few pieces of branded content out in the world that you really needed just a couple influencers to promote it and a couple sites to put it on. And, you know, the thing would take off because it was so fresh and different back then, which obviously, you know, now, now that's not the case, but that's really what we, the, the angle that we took back then when we started. That that's a tough assignment too. From what I remember, that was not one of their uh, best OS releases. And it certainly was not. No. <laughs> it did not do that well. <laughs> uh, but you know, we that was our first client, and you know, when you're when you're a tiny boutique agency with a few people, and you can you can tout a big, massive company like that on a big product launch. That's a it's a good place to start. Jason, tell me about, you know, what I was reading about mechanism, you know, and it's all over the the site there and you touched upon it as well, but uh, the soul and science of storytelling. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So for us, the, the way we we're really looking at um, as an advertising agency, the idea of creative plus performance. And we really look at soul as the concept and the idea and what we're trying to accomplish in building the brand with the client. And that to us is, you know, the soul, it can be the soul of the brand, what the brand wants to stand for, what they want to have their sort of what's in their DNA, what their purpose is. And that's what we look at as the soul and how we unearth that for any project. And then we look at science is really the performance. So it's almost like a creative KPI and a, and a, and it's and a, a performance KPI. And that could be anything from, you know, we're launching an app for Food Network Kitchen and it's how many um, users we need to drive to the app. Or we're working with OkCupid. It's how many more, um, you, you know, users of the app they need or what a cost per acquisition is. So we always blend that soul and science with sort of the creative and the performance and that's really what we mean by by soul and science awesome yeah no i love that philosophy that really uh piqued my interest when looking at it but let's get also into something that i you know was really excited to have you on and you wrote a book that's that's awesome you know so for everyone listening out there uh you know jason's book is the soulful art of persuasion the 11 habits that will make anyone a master influencer talk to me about you know were you always a writer was how did this concept and idea come about yeah so i'm um i was not never a writer but i was always an avid reader so i'm i'm always reading business books i you know typically read uh, biographies or autobiographies and business books. Those are sort of like the two kinds of books that I read. And I realized in building my company and the way I think about selling, because we're all in the business of persuading and selling, no matter what sector or what industry we're in, you know, you're in, you're persuading your, your wife to get a three bedroom in the city and not move to, you know, Montclair or whatever, you know, you're, yeah, right. yeah. or you're, you're persuading, uh, you know, your kids to, to go to bed or brush their teeth or whatever it might be. And it, at work, we're doing the same thing. We're persuading our boss to give us a promotion, a client to hire us, uh, et cetera. You know, getting someone on your podcast, you're persuading people to listen to your podcast. So there's all these micro 
moments of persuasion. And to me, that's selling. And to me, that's business. Like we're all in the, we're all in business, no matter what we do, either personally or professionally, we're persuading. And so as I read through a lot of business books out there, the way that they sort of approach selling and the way they define success to me really felt antiquated. And um, I got a lot of stuff from a lot of great books, but I felt like I had um, sort of a white space. I had something to say about how I built my company and about the way that I engage with um, with people, with clients, you know, and the way that I persuade. And so that's where the soulful art of persuasion came from. And it took me about three years and I sort of wrote down the way that I operate and my key principles that I believe in. And I made it really a, a sort of how to for, you know, either people in business or people changing careers or people that are, you know, starting out in their careers. And, and to me, it's, it's basically the, the handbook of persuasion from my point of view. That's awesome. And yeah, definitely uh, out there. Check it out. Wall Street Journal, Los Angeles Times and Publishers Weekly bestseller. That's awesome, Jason. You know, the, the, the book part is particularly interesting to me. I, I was uh, before I started Starista, I had a master's in uh, creative writing. So I had uh, always aspired to uh, finish that novel. And uh, having having you on would love to hear kind of how you managed to set time aside. What uh, how did you set yourself goals in order to get the book done while running a company? Um, yeah, you know, I took a lot of um, well. First of all, it took three years, and that's a really long time to write a book. So that's that's one one thing to think about. You could probably if you didn't work, you could probably crack out a book, even as a first time author, probably more in the, in the four to six month range, um, without working, if you're really focused on it. And so for me, I would just spend a lot of, um, days after work. Like it's really just mastering a schedule. So plugging in, like I'm going to do two hours a night, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to do every other weekend. I'm going to dedicate one weekend day towards it. And then a couple times a year I would take off, you know, and it's a little easier because it's my own company. So I could be a little more flexible. A couple times a year I would take uh, two week periods where I would just go um, and rent like a hotel room somewhere. And I would just, that's all I would do. You know, I would like shut off the rest of the world and just bang on it. And, uh, you know, it took a lot of time and, um, you know, finally I got an editor and then my editor made a really intense schedule for me that I had to keep, but I had a lot of the material completed already. I had a draft already. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if that's useful, but that's the way I did it. Um, cause I wasn't going to quit my job to write a book. And Jason, let me ask you about, so the, uh, you know, obviously you work with a lot of different uh, companies and advertisers. Has this whole COVID thing changed some of your clients' directions? I mean, you know, for example, you have like an Alaska Airlines, which I'm sure changed a, a little bit uh, as far as, you know, maybe pumping the brakes on some marketing. But, you know, Peloton has been, you started with them when they really, people didn't know who they were. I see people getting Peloton shipped to them all the time now, uh, home gyms, 
Cuervo, people are drinking more. Like, you know, do you have any stories around that? Yeah, I mean, we have uh, one of our brands is is um, Quilted Northern Toilet Paper. They can't, like, they were selling out. And they, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like they're killing it while, uh, you know, our airline clients were getting, you know, completely hammered. And so, it, you know, it's been a real up and down roller coaster for different companies uh, based on, you know, the idea of, of really people being at home, but people still spending money. And, um, you know, you kind of have to take each client and each problem with its own, with its own merit and figure out, you know, if you're, if you're not going to be flying a lot this year and you're going to be down 96, 90% in terms of bookings, how do you spend this year, you know, making the customers that you're going to have back more loyal and how do you focus your energy on community and loyalty program and making sure that, you know, when, when they, when flying does come back, that they're, they're going to be right there with you. And, you know, for Peloton, how do you make sure people understand that, that, you know, the on-demand class experience is just as good as the, the live class experience. And so I think it's, it's really a case by case based on who the client is and what the objective is. But one thing is for sure, you have to really uh, have new tactics and new ways of thinking during COVID than just the same playbook you had uh, before COVID. So you always have to come up with a new angle. And, and I believe, you know, for any brand that building and, and targeting a really hardcore community, the core of your audience is what you know makes you successful and can handle the ups and downs because you're really focused on taking care of that core group of customers no that's interesting yeah i was wondering just by seeing you know uh you know because so, some of the people we've talked to in the past maybe are just like kind of a b2b and b2b marketing in in a lot of ways has gone up people are still at home but i was curious to see just the wide range that you had so that's uh that's interesting a uh, couple other questions about, you know, you being the CEO, two parts. One is, you know, you sound like us, like AJ and I, you know, we, we go to a lot of different networking events. Uh, I've, I MC a lot of different events. So we're always speaking at events or maybe Starista's represented. We're missing that, you know, a lot of the work that we do and we're talking to clients, it's in person, you know, because, uh, you know, the, the way a company conducts themselves, you know, yes, we have marketing services, so does other companies, but you know, it's people at the end of the day. Right. So what, you know, has that been killing you just not being able to get out there and, 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 uh, you know, speak and, and get the word out. Yeah. That's been brutal. I mean, just like how you guys feel it, it's, it's not the same. And then every, you know, you reach out to your clients or your, your, you know, even if you do these calls, you know, the first 15 minutes or 10 minutes, you're talking about COVID every time. And you're not diving into that next level of the person and what makes them tick until you get that part out of the way. And so I think I'm just, I'm just more, um, I'm missing that in-person connection and that, that idea of like being, being on the hunt and meeting with clients and rubbing shoulders and getting to know them. It's just a, a whole different, sort of retrenching way of working right now. And, um, you know, it's not for me, it's for some people, you know, some of our employees love, you know, they can create work and be at home and, 
that's a good lifestyle for them. Um, and we're still doing well, you know, we still got a ton of clients and work's still happening. And to me, it's, it's, it's more just not the way that I enjoy working. Uh, but for other people, it's been great. And I miss, I miss that like hustle. I miss that feeling alive on the road feeling. Um, and that's really, I'm really hungry for. Yeah, no, I agree with you. You know, the, we, the last conference that AJ and I attended was about March 1st, March 2nd. And people have heard us talk about it on the podcast. It was in San Francisco. There were people wiping down, you know, their, their areas on the plane, but people were still shaking hands and, you know, fist bump and all that stuff. And then I come back and I have a few, you know, lunches and meetings and then boom, this all hits. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely be tough. It's definitely been tough, but I've been back in my office now for, for two weeks downtown here. I'm just, I just function, you know, better that way, you know, having two kids at home now, small children, I'm like, get me out. I need to be in the office, but you know, as a CEO, how during this time are you keeping up obviously your own morale, but the company's morale, you have, you know, 200 plus employees, different areas, uh, you know, any advice out there to those uh, other leaders? Well, you know, it's our, it's our first uh, global pandemic to lead through. So, you know, we're, we're not going to be perfect and we're going to make mistakes, but we do a couple things. One, we do uh, monthly employee surveys just to gauge how employees are feeling, how their mental health is, how they're feeling about returning back to the office, if they're interested, uh, making everything completely voluntary. Um, and then we, you know, I do a, um, every Friday I do an all agency Zoom meeting where I talk about, you know, the three C's COVID clients that we're working on in our company. And it's called Connected Friday. And it's really for the agency to be connected. And we talk about um, things that are happening, uh, trying to inspire them based on some of the work that we're doing. You know, we'll talk about current events and what's happening in the world and how uh, Black Lives Matter is affecting the agency and what we're going to do about it. Or we're talking about the Facebook boycott and how that impacts our company. So I really err on this idea of, of being transparent, being really transparent with the company and uh, trying to get this, uh, you know, consistent beat where I'm always talking to the whole company at once. And then they can come and talk to me, of course, at any time. But um, that's that's been useful to try to lead through this weird time that we're going through um, and try to build trust with our employees by, you know, being being totally transparent and telling them when, hey, our, that looks like this quarter is not going to be as good as we anticipated or this quarter is better than we thought. Here's what, here's how, what that means to you. And I think just really being transparent and uh, communicating frequently and consistently helps build, keep that culture going and builds that trust with employees. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said it's our first global pandemic. I certainly hope it's the uh, only one in our lifetimes as well. So uh, not a not not a training ground for us to prepare for the next one. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a question for you guys. Sure. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, obviously I've read about Starista, but, but the sort of idea behind, you know, that 
data-driven marketing and, and what that means to you. Yeah, sure. So I can uh, I can comment on that. So we we started off purely as a data company. So a lot of what we do revolves around having good data, uh, better data, being able to connect uh, people with their social handles, with their email addresses, with their digi- digital identities. Uh, so for a long time, that's what we were licensing, whether it's to other companies or agencies or brands. And then uh, over time, we discovered we wanted to also have a little bit more control on the uh, the medium with which we people were executing those campaigns. So over the last couple of years, we have added in email and now uh, our own DSP as a way to kind of tie in our data with the actual execution of campaigns. So, because uh, oftentimes what we would ran, run into is uh, the data guys often get blamed if something goes uh, wrong. Uh, so uh, we, we decided, hey, what if we own the whole process? So, you know, a good example is we're working with an agency that owns the creative and on our side, we're doing the data as well as the programmatic buy, as well as the uh, email campaign. So now we're able to, if there is some, if there is a problem, we have a much easier time fixing it, whether it's the data aspect or the programmatic ad buy versus trying to kind of figure out uh, who is to blame. So it's uh, almost we, we did it this way. So uh, it was better for the client and better for us because we we're able to answer questions better that's great awesome and then get up on your side besides being a creative agency are there other solutions that uh, you offer that you're particularly proud of um we're we're really also good at you know everything from tv to social media but we also do a lot with influencer marketing we have some some experts to do that, which I'm proud of. We do in-house production, so we can do a lot of volume of production at low-cost, efficient ways um, to create um, content and then measure it and then optimize it. So I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm proud of all of it. One thing that I'm really proud of the company, and that's part of what's in my book, and this is this idea of being soulful, is that we do a lot of um, – we have about uh, 10% of the company dedicated to doing pro bono work and work that um, gives back and that makes an impact on society. So we launched uh, about five years ago a big campaign called It's On Us, which was to fight sexual assault on college campuses, uh, for example. And we launched that with um, in the Obama-Biden administration. And that's now on 500 college campuses, and uh, it's changed a lot of legislation uh, to protect uh, female students, and about 20% of students are sexually assaulted in their first or second year of school. So we've done that. We've done work with Red Nose Day, which is to end, helps end child poverty. You've probably seen those noses in Walgreens. Uh, we helped launch that in the U.S. Uh, we did some work with the United Nations. So you know, a lot of what I'm really proud of too is we use our skills not just to build brands like Peloton and OkCupid or HBO. We also use the same skills and try to, um, you know, help the world be a little bit better and do things that are beyond just for profit or just for 
our own, you know, egos or selfish gain. And so that I'm really proud of, you know, both the, the people that work at the company, but the, the founders of the company for recognizing that there's more than just, you know, working for profit. No, we, we love hearing that, Jason. And, uh, and it's kind of, you know, almost in, in your roots, like, you know, when, when you first started, obviously you were, you were doing stuff pro bono, but that was really just to, to prove out yourselves, but never forgetting that. And kind of, you know, as you started earning clients, but still also giving back to charities and helping out. Uh, that's amazing. We, you know, we, we do a lot of work ourselves. AJ is uh, one of Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Men of the Year. Uh, you know, we, yeah, so it's, it's important, you know, and, and that, uh, you know, the, the giving back aspect of it, you know, how, you know, it's, well, not how, but it's also a testament. Like you said, it's like, there is, there's some huge agencies out there, right? Big conglomerates who are kind of own like 40 agencies underneath their belt. How, how have you, you know, managed to stay, you know, successful and independent throughout this whole time? Yeah, well, I mean, our angle is that we are independent. And so we feel like we can um, not, we can be less expensive, we can be more agile, we can be more nimble. And it seems like we've just, you know, hit a, hit a point where that's what clients are looking for, especially now when they're, you know, business might be down or they need to get things done a little bit faster or more nimbler. And so um, that's just been sort of our competitive advantage where we kind of waited around long enough to establish some name in the industry so that we weren't, you know, a spanking new entrant. Um, but that's, you know, we've survived long enough that we're, we're fairly known. And then also, we're at the right size where we can take on anything, but we're not such, at such a scale that it's going to be, you know, cost prohibitive because we have so many um, people we need to add on to the account to charge for it. But we're not small enough that, you know, you're not sure if we're going to be able to pull it off. And so I think we're just in the right size for the market right now. And, you know, that might change. We might, we might want to get bigger at some point or, you know, do some type of merger at, at, you know, down the road. But I feel like we're, we're luckily, you know, been organic growth all the way through growing year after year to get to where we are today. You know, and it's, I make it sound like it's been planned and, and super easy, but we all know in running businesses that it's more, you know, it's like the stock market. It goes up over time, but it goes down and up and down and up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Then you're then you're hit with stuff like this, which is you know we haven't seen since like 1918. And uh, but yeah, no, always being agile. Jason, we always we uh, I think we've asked this question on every single podcast because I think people are out there. They're using platforms like LinkedIn. You're the CEO and co-founder. What messaging gets you? to accept a LinkedIn request? What, what, are, what are some of the, you know, the ways that people can connect with you uh, and what it's like a pet peeve that someone does when they're trying to reach you? Well, you know, I think this is LinkedIn or anyone looking for a job or anyone, you know, out of work right now that, that might be looking for a job. I think it's always about, you should always be thinking about doing a little bit of research 
and then reaching out to that person and reaching out to them because you're interested in their story. You know, it's not you're reaching out to them and you're like, I'm a software uh, company. I think I can save you a lot of money. Uh, you know, you get those all, all day, all day, every day. But someone, when they reach out to you that knows a little bit about you or your company and they want to find out more, that always grabs my attention because they're trying to build, which is what I talk about in my book. They're trying to build a relationship. They're trying to make a connection. It's not transactional. Like I'm going to reach out to a hundred people on LinkedIn today and get one sale. It's, it's about hey, this relationship makes sense. Maybe it'll turn into something down the road, but I want to make like a sincere uh, relationship here. And I want to play the long game and build my network that, you know, with that tone and that sort of uh, way of reaching out, that's always more appealing than, you know, someone coming right out of the gate trying to sell you something when you never heard of them. And is there uh, what's the pet peeve? Is there one, uh, you know, the message where they, they'll, they'll follow up right away or is it just selling you right away? Yeah, I think it's selling right away. And then another pet peeve is, you know, if someone sends you an email and you don't respond and then they send you three more emails and they start to get annoyed, like, hey, did you get my email? <laughs> You're like, well, obviously, I don't know who you are. You haven't been introduced. You told me a little bit about what you want to sell. I don't see a fit or I'm the wrong person. And then they start to get annoyed that you're not responding. You know, if you responded to everyone that had a sales call in your inbox, you, you know, that would take up half your day, right? Yeah. So that that's always a pet peeve. And then I'll finally respond and say, you know, something like... Uh, beat it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, beat it. <laughs> Yeah, there's these templates people are using now, and usually it goes something like, uh, if if you haven't responded to my last 10 messages, does it mean you're dead or are you annoyed? And there's like four options. So Right, so. and what are you going to say? Um, um, yes, I'm dead, <laughs> B. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, I, think, so I think it's just that, you know, there's, there's an art of, of selling and networking and making connections that I think, you know, is lost when you're trying to just throw a massive net out to a bunch of strangers. Like, you know, you got to take time and cultivate a relationship and understand who you're talking to and why. And, you know, fewer with better relationships is certainly going to net you a lot more. Yeah, agreed. So Jason, how did we get you on the podcast? I didn't get a chance to ask Vincent. We must have sent you a great message. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. Do you know, Vincent? I, yeah, I do. So sometimes, you know, I, I reached out to other people around Jason to get to Jason. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. You know, well, no, I, I, you know, and maybe it was, uh, it's maybe it's flattery. It wasn't, you know, I was, I genuinely wanted to learn more about mechanism and Jason. So I reached out to other people. I will send you a LinkedIn message after this, Jason, uh, you know, to connect because you know, we're so Yeah, but now we know each other. So we're no, now, now we know each other. other. Yeah. We spent, we spent an hour together and we, we have a lot of things in common, even more than you would expect, right? With, uh, <laughs> just based on talking, but yeah, I, I, I reached out to other people within, um, you know, within the company, uh, you know, and, and, and tried to get to, uh, Jason. So it, uh, and that's it the way you do it. Right. And so yeah. like, I don't even know, you know, someone just said, Hey, you're going to be on this. Okay. Good. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I looked it up and it sounded really cool. And I listened to, you know, some of the episodes and 
read about you guys and I'm like, yeah, it sounds awesome. So that's a good example of like a good way to persuade is you didn't just go, you, you tried to find a connection point and it worked. Yeah, no, exactly right. And we just have a minute or so left here, Jason. Uh, you know, time has flown by, you know, what have you been doing for fun? What do you do for fun? Uh, you know, uh, during this time, just in general. Um, what do I do for fun? I do a lot of, um, I have a gym in my office. So like my gym in my, ho- my, um, hotel, my, uh, apartment's closed. I'm assuming yeah. yours is too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have, I have one in my office and it's got a, a bag and, you know, I do, uh, I, I try to do some boxing workouts a couple times a week, about three times a week. So that's one thing I do for fun. Um, I do a lot of, uh, I like to, wherever I go, like I'll probably go maybe some, somewhere on the beach this weekend. I like to really love jet skiing. That's really fun for me, uh, going fast on the water. And, uh, you know, I do a ton of reading. I'm a pretty avid reader still. Uh, I do a lot of reading um, in my apartment, try to be outside as much as I can. When things were open, what I did do for fun is I love to see live music. That's sort of my, my yeah. really, I used to be in a band. I used to play the bass. So I'm always looking for, uh, you know, music to go see live. It's such a adrenaline rush. And obviously who knows when that industry is coming back, but that's well, been ruled out. Yeah. Oh, I hope uh, for stand-up comedy sake soon, because I'm uh, getting anxious out there and li- live performing. Uh, and then quickly, the your favorite Tribeca restaurant. Maybe it's one I haven't been to. I mean, it's, um, have you been to, what's it called? Uh, Tamarind? Yes. Indian food. Uh, I don't know if I've taken you there, AJ, have I? Uh, I I don't think so, but I think we'll have to put it on the calendar next time. Put it on the, yeah, it's delicious. It's like real, it's uh, like beautiful white tablecloths, really nice atmosphere. Um, that's awesome. Jason, I hope this is great. Oh, and then one more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Roxy brunch when they used yes. to have brunch there is we have playing a uh, little jazz music going on there. And, uh, I like Bubby's Bubby's is classic. Yeah. Uh, so, classic. uh, you know, that's, uh, that, it, you know, a lot of it's opened up now, which, which is good on outside. It's feeling a little bit normal, which, which I like to see, but, uh, um, oh, Jason, this has been awesome. You know, it's a great chat again. Uh, you could get Jason's book, just, uh, you know, go to Amazon, the soulful art of persuasion, the 11 habits that will make anyone a master influencer. Jason Harris, the CEO and founder of Mechanism. Jason, I hope to run into you in the street. If not, once everything go, uh, you know, dies down, we'll get a drink. Uh, love chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining the Marketing Stir. That's Jason Harris. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. He's AJ Gupta. Thank you so much for joining us on the Marketing Stir. Till next time. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening.